Hello and a very good morning, evening or afternoon, depending on when you are listening to this latest episode of EB's Susty Talks. Those not familiar with this series, this is a series of one-on-one -on -one interviews we launch with sustainability leaders across the world at the very beginning of the COVID-19 pandemic and which we're continuing to help um, dive into as many conversations as possible and keep us all feeling a little bit more connected. And I'm delighted to have on the call with me today Christina Kens from Craft Pine. So thank you so much, Christina, for taking the time. Thank you, Sarah. It's absolutely wonderful to be here today with you. Thank you for inviting me. No, any time. Um, I know that we actually met recently for an introduction, um, but for those who are listening who might not have had the pleasure of meeting you, Christina, it would be great to hear, um, in your own words, a little introduction to you and to your role at, at Kraft Heinz. I have a, a very unique position. I'm both a chief growth officer, which is a commercial function which takes care from marketing to digital to martech to R&D uh, to strategy together with a chief sustainability officer. And in some places, it might sound like a commercial, almost finance role, might be a little bit at odds with sustainability. But in our case, this is very well woven, no? I, I, I'm able to bring the ESG agenda at the forefront of many of the discussions we have as a company. So this is my role, CGO and CSO. That's super interesting. So is that something of a new role for the company? Yeah, it is. When when Kraft Heinz approached me and we're talking about the chief growth officer, I thought it was super important to bring the CSO into the transformation. Kraft Heinz wanted to transform the way they were uh, working with the consumer, with innovation, with communication, with strategy, with, with even focus of the platforms that they wanted to have in a grand way. So that was part of the big transformation. And I could not imagine this transformation without ESG being part of the picture. And when I took that in, um, one of the first things that established at Scarrails is looking into the future of food, the notion of taste, nutrition, planet. You know, the three of them have to be together if we want to change the big things that we need to change in our systems. That makes complete sense. I know that as well as having something of a unique role at the moment, you also have a really interesting background. I know that you've been working in consumer goods and food and beverage for um, a number of years, but not always in growth or sustainability. So it'd be great to hear about your career journey and why you chose to take on a sustainability focused role after working in other other disciplines in that sector. Uh, my very beginners were in, in advertising and in strategic planning. Then the biggest chunk of my career spent it with PepsiCo in very marketing, global roles, uh, commercial roles. And then Danone. With Danone, I learned a lot of what it meant sustainability for a company. And to me, uh, sustainability became something super, it's always been in my life, no? we've always been as, as a family, as an individual, very linked to sustainability. But after the, this experience, sort of being as a professional, I saw the importance of being able to be a voice and being able to be a moving agent into sustainability. So that's that's why, you know, the sum of experiences end up making me put all this together. And this is what I'm bringing to the party now. Got it. And I mean, we hear a lot of, of times about people's role into the career. Would you recommend a move 
from advertising and marketing across into sustainability and if we have anyone listening that's sort of looking at at that what advice would you give for making making that jump I know that when I started from doing local news to doing this news there was a lot of jargon to learn um, a lot of reading a lot of networking to do well, I think I think it's super important for people in commercial roles to understand what sustainability is. And I think it's very important for people in sustainability roles to understand how to make it more commercial. So in a way, it doesn't matter where is your starting point. Uh, this is something that we need to solve as a community and this is something we need to solve as a planet. Uh, what I see in, in my role and with my teams is that by them understanding the impact and by all of us understanding the impact that planet decisions can have into our picture, all that is making our commercial agenda stronger. So if I give you an example, uh, we were uh, looking into um, uh, one, of, one of our products, ketchup. You know, uh, we have a, um, a recyclable bottle, but our cup wasn't fully recyclable. And that's something that was bothering us. So we looked into it and we were able to find a solution to that. And you think, oh, it's just a lead. No, 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 no. It's, we sell one billion of these leads. So it's, it's a big thing. It's a big change to a big thing. So we looked into it. And then by having both the commercial and the sustainability side, we were able to commercialize that faster. We were able to take it to the customers. We were able to make that an action much faster. So that's my, my advice. Is no matter where you're starting, this is important enough to embed it into your function, whether you're in finance, whether you're in commercial, whether you're in sales. Uh, the sooner, if it matters to you, the sooner you, you get more biased, the, the sooner you understand much more how to impact. That makes sense. And I, I remember the ketchup lid story and I remember people that work in neither um, no corporate roles, no sustainability roles being like, wow, I didn't get that it would take that long to, from design to roll out for new packaging. So I think that communicating together is really important to make sure that, you know, design understands procurement, understands sustainability, understands what, what the consumers are doing as well. A hundred percent. Like I, I can give you many examples on that. If we, only if I stay on on packaging, like uh, we did the, um, we we created a Pulpex ketchup bottle, which is biodegradable. Uh, that became a gigantic hit into our community. One because of the impact it has as part of our speech as a company, and second because it opens it opens up so many partnerships. It opens up a different way of working. But of course, if you don't link that to procurement, if you don't link it to manufacturing, we'll never, we'll never make it. And if I take you to another of my passion points, which is sustainable tomatoes, we want to do sustainable tomatoes because it's, it's the only way forward. No? Our, our planet needs to take better care of soil. But unless we make that a visible and an applicable commitment, and we were able to commercialize it through the brands, we will not be getting the fuel to make it happen in such a fast way, you know? So, so those things, they, they always need to work together. Got it. And I mean, we've talked a lot there about packaging, but you've started to dig into something else important to this future of food agenda, as, as you say, which is ultimately not the packaging, but the stuff that goes into it. So it'd be great to hear a little bit more about your passion products on yeah, agriculture and, and food procurement, maybe starting with, with more on those those tomatoes. 
Yeah, I, I, I love the agriculture discussion because uh, when I when I look at the three things that we need to solve in terms of planning, of course, we need to solve uh, water, sea, plastic. Um, we need to solve air pollution. But soil, it hasn't been a big discussion. There's not a lot of understanding of how important is soil. So um, as a company, more and more we take in to understand how do we move forward as a community into improving the way we're going to agricultural practices that are going to live a better planet. And by doing that, we have several things in play. One of them is, is the way we work internally. We have a big uh, research center in, um, in the US in California where we are understanding how tomatoes can become accretive to the soil. How do we get to better practices to not only do our, our tomatoes, our sustainable tomatoes, but also to teach uh, how to do better agro practices across. Because um, when I look at, for example, tomatoes, we are about 60% of tomatoes that they are used and produced in the, the whole world. So we are big players in the world of tomatoes. We are one of the largest producers of tomatoes in the world. And that to me is a responsibility. Like we need to not only learn how to be, make better practices and establish them with our growers. We also need to make that uh, open source uh, to make sure that that impacts across uh, to anyone who's in this field. And that's just one example. The, the next one that I love is beans. I think beans is a superfood. I, I love beans. I don't know if you, you heard about all the things that we do with beans. We love this notion of liberating the beans. We want to take them out of the can and make them delicious and, and put it into bowls, nuggets, pizzas, burgers, meat, meatless burgers, uh, means made. Like for us, it's, it's a way to, to bring a great protein that it can be fantastically tasty and high performance to our consumers with a lot of taste. No? And also, on top of that, uh, beans are actually quite unique. Uh, they, are soil, they can become solar credit, they can secrete nitrogen. And that's something that we continue investigating to see, you know, how can beans become a superfood? And in that sense, we join a coalition. We're actually one of the founders, uh, founder partners of this coalition, which is Beans is How. And this coalition is being born to raise awareness of the power of beans. No? So that's another passion point that I, I simply love beans. And the third one to me is, is net zero. I really, really believe that if you're serious about this game, if, you, if, if anyone from any companies is, is serious about this game, you need to commit to net zero. If you're not committing to net zero, you're not really tackling the big issue. Of course, we need to do things on plastic. Of course, we need to do things on communities. Of course, we need to do things on hunger. There's many things that we need to solve collectively. But net zero is a must. It's an absolute must. And that's the other passion point that I have. I mean, it all goes together, doesn't it? Not in the sense that I could put tomatoes, beans and the notion of net zero in a pan <laughs> and, and make a stew. But obviously that agriculture is such a major source of emissions. So we need to tackle that to reach net zero. And in doing so, we help the soils um, and that stuff about plant based proteins that you mentioned ties in um, as well. So lots of lots of food for thought, Christina, if you'd if you'd pardon the pun. <laughs> 
Um, and I know we've been talking there about some really specific initiatives, but I do want to bring it back to skills um, for just one moment before we come to the end um, of our call, because this is taking part, um, taking place, sorry, as part of our business leadership month, which is all about sustainability um, skills. I know that you're a very busy person, Christina. Um, I've been told that as well as working at Kraft Heinz, that you're on the board for the B Corp Impact Circle. Um, so it'd be great to hear a little bit about what that is and how that impacts work at Kraft Heinz and why you think it's important to wear multiple hats when you're a sustainability leader. Uh, I think I'm going to be that question to the question just before, no? how to become um, um, an impactful leader in sustainability. I think, as we were saying, no matter where you start, uh, the main thing that you need to do is educate yourself. It's important to learn. It's important to be connected outside. It's important to know what is happening to, to make sure that all that uh, fits your day job. No? So I always wanted to keep in contact with Bicord because when I when I met them first, um, it was when we were certifying that on Spain. And certifying that on Spain was gigantic because it was the very first certification that it was done for the known. And it was one of the very first big company certifications that Big Corp ever did, no? And that was a gigantic learning of, for the three of us, for Big Corp, for the own, and for myself, because I understood very well, like, how can we intertwine some of the systems with doing good and doing good, uh, good um, is something, is, is a good practice in terms of business, no? How business fits better when you're doing good and how doing good makes business sense. So when I moved into Kraft Heinz, I kept those ties. And to be honest with you, it's a circle that I, I really enjoy because I learned every time I meet with them. And also it keeps me through. No? I, I see some of the movements that other companies are doing. And the beautiful sustainability is that it's not a competitive world. Uh, we all need to help each other. And the more coalitions you do, the more you learn from others, the more you share what you learn. The, the better it's going to be for the futures. So this is one of the reasons I keep very close to that. And then it's who I am. No, I, I love helping. Um, other things that I've done through my life is I, I'm super passionate about everything that relates to women. Um, it's a known factor that the more women you have in, in higher areas, the better the ESG commitments and impacts are. You know, this is numeric. I'm not trying to be propagandistic, but it's it's true. Look, you need you need to have um, the voice of females into the table. And one of the things that I did in the past is I worked with the UN and it was back in the time when I was with PepsiCo on to showing how in the in Middle East, especially working with people from Riyadh, how women can be mothers, they can be daughters, they can be friends, they can be wives, and they can also have a job. Which it wasn't. It wasn't very obvious for them because culturally it was hard to understand that you know you could be a good daughter um, and a good wife, but also have your own space. Sometimes those things in some parts of the world they're not as as understood as they should, and that's one of the areas where I have a lot of heart and love. And then the other thing that I did as well through my career, I I worked with Jome Corono, which is a um, foundation born in Spain that it was helping to create a vaccine that is when it was going to be for everyone. Of course, you know, a couple of years later, now that we we almost forgot about the whole thing, 
the vaccine took a different term and, and it became um, reasonable enough for many markets, but uh, many countries and, and and with a different speed everywhere in the world. But there was a moment that that wasn't clear. And with that foundation, we were working on this and, and so on. And, and any time that I, I see a project where I, I can help or I can bring a little bit of myself, I love doing that. It sort of keeps me grounded. I'm sure that that will resonate with a lot of people that are working in this area. I see a lot of people who the busier they are, the more the more peaceful and fulfilled they seem to be somehow. Um, so thank you very much, Christina, for your time. I think we are running out of time, so I, I will bring this susty talk to a close now. But thank you so much for, for coming on the call today. Thank you, Sarah. Thank you for having me. Uh, it's, been, it's been great to reflect a little bit on, on these matters with you. Thank you.